0: Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome and good evening. to Ch- We have a great guest today, Fel- Felicity Graham. She's an author, public speaker, podcaster, has been written up in the Adelaide Advertiser twice, and is the head of an organization called Fostering Change Australia, which focuses on advocating for foster children and educating the public on how the foster care system might be changed for the better. Oh, and she's 19 years old. Currently, there are around 46,000 children in various forms of foster care in Australia. This represents approximately 3% of all the children in Australia aged 17 and below. According to Anglicare, the reasons for them being in foster care are varied. 54% of them suffered from emotional abuse, 22% from neglect, 14% from physical abuse, and 9% from sexual abuse, which constitutes 4,140 children. There are only around 9,000 foster carers. As of May 31, 2022, there were 4,724 children in South Australia in various forms of foster care. 41.2% of them are in traditional foster care programs supported by the government. 58% of them are what <coughs> pardon me, are in what's called kinship care, <coughs> which is defined as being placed <coughs> excuse me while I <coughs> go through puberty here. Okay. Fifty-eight percent of them are what's called kinship care, which is defined as being placed with a relative, family, friend, or a member of their culture. Aboriginal children make up five percent of the children in South Australia, but make up 37, almost 37 percent of children in state care. According to the ABC News, Aboriginal children and young people are 22.7 times more likely to be in attention. Detention than non Aboriginals. One should also consider that in 2021, financial year, there were 264 adoptions in Australia. Only 222 of them were Australian children, the rest were overseas children. Last year in South Australia, there were eight adoptions. Only two of those were local, the other six were overseas. Of those two, that were local, zero were from state care. A few years ago before my son was born, I looked into adopting myself in South Australia and I was shocked to discover that in the year before there were only two adoptions in the entire state. I was basically told by the government official that I spoke to not to bother, even trying, even though I was financially successful had no criminal record, and had been in a stable relationship for over 10 years plus. From my perspective, and I think from anyone's perspective, I find this shocking. It seems to me like there's no end game, no goal for the system to place a child with a permanent, loving family. I think it's hard to argue that this is not what's best for the child. This is what's best for society because it creates better citizens. This is what's best for the state because they're not paying to bounce this child from home to home their entire lives. South Australia has been positioning itself as the technological leader in the space industry. South Australia has been heralding itself as an amazing technological leader to build state-of-the-art nuclear submarines but it can't find a permanent loving home for one child in a year when 4724 of them need it seriously Felicity you you were in the foster care system from the age of 7 to 19 is that correct Yes it is and from what you told me before you 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 became, you got into the system because your mother had three strokes Yep uh, two of them while she was giving birth. And she basically had the brain of a 10-year-old. Yeah, She couldn't write. She couldn't read. Yeah. She couldn't handle the finances. She couldn't uh, walk. And then your dad left when you were how old?
1: About two years about old. About two?
0: Now, in the 12 years you were in foster care, how many different foster homes, homeless shelters, and group homes were you in?
1: Roughly about 10 altogether. 10? Yeah.
0: Wow. In 12 years. Yeah. So you're in the same place for less than a year. On yeah. the, or a little bit more than a year on the average. Now, you're an author. Yeah. And uh, your book is called Not Held Down. Um, I had a chance to read a preview of it. In the beginning, you talk about, can you tell me about when you woke up? the opening of your book I thought was very powerful. Can you tell me a little yep. bit about that?
1: So basically, um, I the start of my book talks about how when I first left my first foster home of seven years and how I was feeling when I woke up that day. Um, all my emotions, really, because this was the longest foster placement I had. This was my home from when I first went into foster care until I was about 12, 13. And I didn't know anything else. They were the only family I knew. And one day... I just it just didn't work, so I had to move on to an emergency foster family until they found a new home for me. And I just, yeah, I felt lost and scared and unwanted. It mm. was really hard. It was a lot of emotions.
0: Mm. Now you you had so you said ten different homes in in twelve years. So what was the longest you were in a home? Seven years, you said.
1: Yep, seven. Years. And what
0: was the the so that means of the other nine. Uh, that that means seven... So you had basically one every six months.
1: Basically, yeah.
0: What was the shortest you were ever in a home?
1: Shortest was three weeks.
0: How how did that happen?
1: Um, It was a placement that probably shouldn't have happened. I didn't feel comfortable going into this placement. I told my social worker that I didn't want to be in this house. They didn't really listen because there's such a shortage of carers. So they just put me in it. And it became very emotionally abusive. I felt like... I was just there as their money person. Um, They were just getting money from me. I felt like they didn't actually care about me or wanted me.
0: What do you mean the money person?
1: Um, So when you're fostering, you obviously get paid for a certain amount of money. Um, Yeah, and they kind of used that. They waved that in my face a lot by saying how I couldn't leave their care because I wouldn't find another family and how... The Department of Child Protection is gonna pay them more money to look after me because they couldn't find anyone else. So they were very like waving it around and saying how like it was my fault that a lot of placements ended and that I wasn't getting into another foster home. And yeah, it kinda of just it was very emotionally draining and really drew my mental health a bit worse.
2: Wow.
0: So you you also had an experience where you got moved out very abruptly?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a um yeah, very horrible day. I remember being in school and getting picked up from my social worker, which is very normal. Um, social workers are destined with one child and they take them out to talk to them, make sure everything's going okay. So it wasn't very abnormal for me to be picked up. And I remember them in the car telling me, oh, us adults have decided that it's best that you don't stay in this placement anymore. I mean, I had arguments with that carer, but I liked her and I didn't realize that it was going to end. And I remember going home and all my stuff was packed. There was two other care um social workers there and all my suitcases were packed and it was a just say goodbye and we're on our way.
0: Wow. That's uh, how we used to get fired in the 90s <laughs> in America where you just you just show up to work and your key doesn't fit yep. in the lock. Wow, that's that's brutal. Um, you know, the National Conference of State Legislatures uh, state that eighty percent of kids in foster care have mental health issues, and and you yourself have struggled with PTSD yeah. and depression and anxiety and suicide ideation, yeah. and 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 you've even engaged in self harm like cutting. Yeah, is that is that correct? Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that because that's just that's just astonishing. Um,
1: Yeah, so basically because I've had such ongoing childhood trauma, you know, every child needs a stable home and a lot of my childhood was very unstable. It was moved around. I didn't have any stable person in my life, which led me down to a really dark tunnel of depression and anxiety and PTSD because I I felt like I was moving around all the time. I didn't feel safe. I always felt like I was on edge i've had to do that fight flight response and even freeze response um and a lot of the time when you're moving around and stuff you uh, there was times where i just i didn't feel wanted and i thought that being away from this earth was a lot better than being in it because no foster family wanted me so what's the point in being here
0: wow so you you just felt that nobody wanted you so why be here yeah And how did you get over those feelings?
1: A lot of therapy. Um, I'm still in therapy. I'm still engaging with my psychologist, which have been really helpful. And I've really just had to start learning to trust the people who are in my life right now. I have amazing people in my life currently who I know won't leave my side. And there's days where I feel like they are going to leave and I worry that they will leave. But it's about really just gaining that trust again, and going to therapy, and doing what gives me passion, which is what I do right now.
0: Wow, I mean, I, I recently uh, saw a study that, um, that actually moving around a lot, you know, with foster children raises their cortisol levels. You were talking about fight or flight, yeah, and actually changes their neurochemistry, uh, and yeah. their brain development. So, which obviously uh... causes a lot of issues i mean i i was shocked you know and we talked about this so we're gonna bring it up uh... before the show but i was absolutely flabbergasted that that this girl that's sitting in front of me you know who is a podcaster who is an author who is vivacious who's articulate who uh... has been in the advertiser twice who's you know done all these things is 19 is in the prime of her life you know and 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 you had another suicide attempt 2 months ago yeah i just i can't put those two things together i just can't understand that i mean what you know what how how does that how does that happen i mean
1: again when yeah a child goes through that trauma like you know it's not an overnight thing it's not a cl- switch of like a flick of that switch you have to go ongoing therapy continue going um and just trying to find those things that make life worth living and seeing the beauty in life and some days you know that trauma does come back some days those memories and thoughts do come back but i think what makes me stronger is that i keep getting up every morning and i keep fighting for the changes for the change and for the voices of young people in care and mm. i get to use my story to make that difference and i think that gives me such a fire for life, and yeah.
0: Wow, well, you definitely should have a fire for life because you, I mean, you're a powerful influencer. I mean, you're somebody that's making a big difference. And uh, we're going we're gonna to leave on that note because uh, that's such a powerful statement you just made. We'll be back in just a few minute, moments here with Felicity Graham uh, from uh, Advocate for Foster Care Children.
2: Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm with Saturday Sports Scoreboard. No matter what your sports passion, we'll be covering it during our three hours together. I'll be crossing to various sporting events, we'll chat with your favourite sports stars and we'll take your calls. Every Saturday afternoon, 2 until 5, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM.
1: Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions. You're experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city.
2: Radio Italia on Change the World with Matt McQuindler today, we'll be discussing mental health issues. If you or anyone you know needs help, please call. Lifeline on 131114. Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 If you are in immediate danger, call 000.
0: You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, welcome back. Uh, Felicity, in our last session, we talked about, uh, you know, what fires you up and what your mission is. Can you uh, talk to me a little bit about... Uh, Your mission statement, it says that the foster system is broken. How is it broken?
1: Um, So obviously with my story, I can't speak for every child in care, but I find that a lot of the brokenness of the system is the instability. Like I was saying earlier, um, children are being moved from home to home, which is really putting a spanner in the works for their education, for their just brain development of understanding what love is, understanding how to have a relationship with adults, how to just do basic life um, things because it's really hard to focus on your studies and really hard to focus on your future when every day you're wondering, am I going to go for a different home? Where I'm going to sleep tonight? Who's going to love me? Is this person going to leave? You just, you don't have time for school and, um, the department moving children around and and around and not giving their training and the support to carers is really impacting the children's lives. Um, there's just not enough trauma informed training for carers to understand how can I help this person's mental health? How can I like look after them the best that I can? Um, and yeah, it's just really hard to know and really hard to live a fulfilling life when you're just moved around a lot. I think that, out of uh, all the things that I think the system is broken, I think that's the main one, is the instability, the moving around, and the training for carers in how they can better support the kids in care.
0: Mm. So if, if you were in charge, if you were the minister for uh, child care, or, or I, I messed up the official title being <laughs> a foreigner. Child protection. <laughs> child protection, okay. How, how, what, would, what changes would you be making?
1: I would make sure that the children are being placed in families that are right for them. Mm. Like, you know, if a child is active and loves going outside, put them with someone who loves going outside and adventures. Don't put them with someone who's always indoors. Um, It's really about finding that perfect family for that child or the closest perfect family. I would be helping carers understand from a child's point of view on how they can look after kids by, you know, bringing in children in those training sessions when the department of child protection are training, these carers bringing children in and being like, and letting the children tell the carers what they want in a parent, um, giving carers and even young people, this support that they can have like a support number or someone they can turn to when they feel like they don't have anyone, Giving them better support in schools, uh, mentoring, tutoring, more intense tutoring and stuff. I think that's one of the most important, yeah, some of the most important things.
0: Mm. What, do, what do you say to, um, uh, you know, uh, there's two sides, yeah. you know, and obviously the purpose of the system is to help out the children, at least exactly. it's supposed to be. Yeah. But the, you know, there, there's all these, th- uh, there's this movement in, in South Australia. Uh, with foster carers, you know, saying that they're being treated unfairly and yep. they're taken advantage of, and you know they should be compensated more, yep. and 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 you know don't you know there's even this campaign on Facebook, don't be a carer in South I've Australia. I've seen those Facebook you know, pages, there's you know,
1: a lot of Facebook pages saying know. don't be a foster carer in SA or like burn the de- Department of Child Protection down, and. To be honest, if, if you want to become a foster carer because you want to get money, don't become a foster
0: carer. Well, that's, that's what I thought. Don't you know. look
1: after a child I if just... you want the money. Don't look after the child because you want to seem like a good Samaritan. Mm. We don't need good Samaritans. We don't need people's flying in and saving us. We don't need saving. We just need loving. Mm. It's not that hard. So I don't think people should be carers if they just want the money or they want to seem like they're saving someone. It's not about, in the at the end of the day, it's not about them. It mm. is about the children, and I know that's so blunt, mm. but, like, the carers still deserve support, no kidding, and money, but it's not about... Yeah,
0: well, it, I, I personally don't think it should be a career. No. I mean, you don't become a parent because exactly. you, you want to make money. Exactly. I mean, you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, so w- yeah. what's the...
1: A hundred percent. And,
0: again, yeah. this ties into... And, and maybe because I'm, you know, a foreigner, you know, yeah. I've never been in the foster care system. I was raised in the United States, but... It just seems to, it sh- to me, I don't understand the philosophy here, mm. okay because why aren't I mean it seems to me the ultimate objective to be should be putting this kid in, in a stable home environment where yeah. they're loved and that's it. Yeah, I mean it, it should be and I'm sorry if I'm making this sound you know too easier than it really is, but it sh- to me it should be a one and done. Yeah. It shouldn't be a you know, ten homes and or nine homes in six years. Yeah. I, I just don't I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I, am I? I mean, I don't
1: I, get it either. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, 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 again, I, I, I'm a layman, but I just don't understand the philosophy. I mean, even if even if you let the actuaries in charge of this, the, guy, yeah. the numbers guys, it, yeah. it would save the state money. You know, because they're not – they don't have to have this – maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're they're trying to protect their budgets in the government. I I just can't imagine why we don't focus on placing the kids and and drive adoption. Zero adoptions. Yeah. Of of of, it's nat- of, of, here. of native Australians, yeah. You know, I mean, and what I mean, native—I guess not native Australians, not Aboriginal people, but uh, like Native Americans. But of people that are Australian citizens yeah. by birth, zero. Yeah. In the last year, zero. Yeah. I mean that that floors me. Yeah. Um, you say that. Uh, what else do you think can be done to to fix the problems?
1: Um, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah, I I think there just needs to be better support. I think that's just where I keep going to... um,
0: Support for the children and support for the carers.
1: Yeah, I remember that I wasn't offered... I don't know. I lived in the country, so I don't know what the city foster care bits are like. I lived in regional Port Lincoln, South Australia on the Eyre Peninsula, so... I don't know yeah, the difference, but I know that I had to literally beg for a counsellor mm-hmm. where you'd think that children coming into foster care, they've already got so much trauma before foster care. Mm. So I don't know why there's no counsellors given to children straight away when they're in care. Just getting offered, I had to ask for one when I was 12. Um, again, don't know if the city is different, if all over, around Australia is different, but I just found for myself, That wasn't offered, and I think that needs to be because, yeah.
0: Well, nowadays, I mean, we could. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal, but it could even be done via Zoom or yeah, or the phone. I mean, something's better than nothing. I would hope. I again, I'm. You know, my father used to say, "I have no formal training or expertise in that area, therefore, I can speak freely." (laughs) (laughs) So, for whatever it's worth, that just seems like common sense to me. Um, Now, you you mentioned also. In some of your writings, that you want to battle the stereotypes about foster care, can you talk about a little bit about what stereotypes you're talking about and how they should be? You know, what you mean by battling them?
1: Yep. So, a lot of people when they hear that a child's in foster care, their first thought most of the time is, "Oh, they're a criminal. They do drugs. They are no good. They're they're naughty kids. They're traumatic, like traumatized kids." I remember going into a foster home and a police officer that was family friends of my foster carers said, oh, are you sure you want to foster her because she's a teenager in foster care? Are you sure she's not like, into crime or drugs? I've never done drugs in my life. I'm, I'm
0: sorry. Can you repeat that so just make sure the audience caught it? Yeah. So a police officer said what exactly and what context?
1: I don't know the context because I wasn't uh-huh. there. I just know that they said to these carers – oh, are you sure you want to foster her? Um, because, you know, police officers deal with kids in care all the time. So most of the time police officers just think we're just going to run amok. We're just going to be criminals. We're going to be druggies. Um, he could have said it in a nice, I don't know what context he said it in. I don't know how he said it. But I know that that struck something mm. in me that was like, why did I have to be viewed as a criminal or a druggie? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not who I am. It's not who a lot of kids in care are. Um, a lot of kids in care are seen as scums pretty much like, Mm. you know, like most, it's very rare for a kid in care to finish school and go to uni or to get their own house. Um, even recently I had a house inspection and they said to me that it was the best house they've seen from a kid who's been in care. (laughs) It was a compliment to me, Mm. but I also was like, okay, well, like did you think like I don't know she was expecting it to be worse because she knew I was in care but like that's just how people think they perceive us but we wouldn't be these types of people if we didn't have that support or like guidance like if we were constantly not moved around and Mm -hmm. we had that person to guide us and show us what love is and Mm -hmm. that we deserve love I don't think young people in care would go to drugs or crime Mm. and not every kid in care do drugs and crime we're not the forgotten children um, like, without knowing me, how many people in kids in care do you know?
0: Myself, well, I, I knew uh, right now or when I was young. Anytime. When I was younger, I knew a lot. I used yeah. to. I, we didn't talk about this, but I used to volunteer at an orphanage called Mooseheart mm. in the United States. So I used to work with with kids when I was a, a, boy, a yeah. scout leader. Yeah, you know, so um, not so many here. Yeah, uh, a few. Yeah, that, because
1: we yeah. don't really tell people, you know, we're not yeah. holding these signs going, oh, we're in foster care. We're mm. very quiet. You, Like a lot of the people don't know that they, like of others in care because they won't talk about it. But there's a lot of people who probably have met people who are in care and they just didn't know mm. because it's just a very quiet topic. I,
0: one thing point you made real quick, and then we need to get to a break uh, that I want to underline that you made was... You know, if you treat a person, a study after study after study after study pr- shows that if you treat a person, you know, a certain way, if you have the expectation they're not going to be any good, or the expectation they're not smart, or the expectation that they're a failure, that's what you're going to get. A
1: hundred percent. You
0: know, so I, I think the, that's just so important. I mean, yeah. you've got to treat people like. If you treat them like they're worth a million bucks, they'll end up worth a million bucks.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So, on that quick note, we're going to take a break
2: and hear from some sponsors and pay some bills. (laughs) Stai (laughs) cercando un ristorante italiano che ti porti dritto in Costiera Amalfitana? L'Ombra, cantina, cucina e pizzeria. Davide e Fabio soddisferanno il tuo palato con piatti come pasta al nero di seppia, allo scoglio, alle vongole. Oppure scegli una delle pizze napoletane del loro menù. L'ombra si aggiunge alla crescente cultura culinaria italiana di Adelaide ed è aperto per colazione, pranzo e cena. L'ombra è perfetto per organizzare battesimi, compleanni, riunioni di famiglia e altre feste private. L'ombra, cantina, cucina e pizzeria. 15 Charles Street, West Lakes. Per prenotare, scrivi una mail a ciao Oppure chiama Davide allo 0417 877 765. L'ombra, ho già l'acquolina in bocca. ZUNKA 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 zunk, zunk, zunk. zunk. Profumo è cuore della nostra terra Un viaggio alla riscoperta della tanto amata Calabria Storia, tradizione e curiosità E tanta tanta musica Tutti mercoledì dalle 5 alle 7 Con Vincenzo e Rosario E insieme sono pure Ero Attacaballo ZUNKA 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 zunk, zunk. Appallati, appallati, abballati giugli 7 manità tenerti aggiornato con le vaccinazioni contro il covid-19 non rafforza soltanto la tua immunità aiuta a tenere in piedi le attività commerciali a mantenere attiva la vita sociale e a riunire le famiglie per scoprire come prenotare la tua dose booster visita il sito australia.gov.au oppure chiama il numero 1800 020 080 seleziona l'opzione 8 per l'assistenza gratuita di un interprete autorizzazione del governo australiano Canberra Ora più che mai, l'assistenza che le famiglie conoscono e di cui si fidano è qui per te, a Bene con i nostri servizi di assistenza domiciliare i tuoi cari diventano nostri offriamo servizi di supporto sociale e assistenza per fare la spesa ed Andrea si è sentito completamente a suo agio il personale è stato fantastico fornendomi supporto sociale a casa bene, fornisce servizi per mantenere uno stile di vita attivo e di benessere, assistenza domiciliare o residenziale agli anziani con rispetto e calore, con bene sei in famiglia, chiamaci all'81 31 2000 o visitaci su Radio Italia Uno.
0: You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Felicity Graham uh, from Foster, uh, fo- excuse me, Fostering Change Australia, uh, and uh, in the last session. Uh, you were talking about some of the things that uh, you think can be changed and, and improved in the foster care system, um, but let's let 's be a little bit more personal. Yeah. Um, what about some of the i mean since you 've moved around so much yeah. in the system, do, do you keep in contact with any of those folks? i mean do you, yeah. Was there anybody that made a positive impact on you that that you still are in contact with today?
1: yep so I talked to a few of my foster carers, especially I talked to the ones who I lived with for seven years, but I'm very close with a foster family I lived with for a year from when I was about 15 to six, 14 to 15. Um, and I talked to them regularly. they were the only foster carers I called Mum and dad um, mm. and I still call them mum and dad still see them as my parents. They've got two little girls and one on the way who are my little sisters and sister or brother. And, um, yeah, um, yeah they made the biggest impact on my life for sure.
0: How did you end up leaving that situation?
1: Um, my mental health went really bad. And being in the country again, there's not enough mental health support. And they, they didn't really feel supported by the Department of Child Protection. They felt like they were in the middle of an ocean drowning alongside me. Um, they just they couldn't get any support on how they could help me. There was no mental health services out in the country that could help me. Um, And they just really felt like I needed more intense mental health support than what I was getting. So they thought it was best to let me go and try and find a better, not a better family, but a family that's able to help me a bit more in my mental health journey.
0: Mm. Okay. So basically they loved you enough to let you go. Basically, yes. As the saying goes. So they just felt they couldn't. Uh, And they were scared that they wouldn't be able to manage it and such. Yeah, they were scared that they basically were scared
1: that if they would wake up one day and I wasn't there. Mm. um, And they thought, yeah, it's it's better for me to find better help out there. Um, Mm. And only a year after that, I moved to Adelaide and now I'm able to find better support. So I don't hate them for that. I think they made the best decision. And I think being parents and they showed this with their actions is you do make sacrifices as parents and they made a sacrifice of giving me a safe home to be able to find better mental health support and it actually helped me become a lot closer with them
0: mm, wow now you're you're one of three children yep. i mean biologically yeah and and so they didn't place you with i mean they didn't place all three of you together with a family or they couldn't do that how often are the kids split up like that
1: Unfortunately, in Australia or South Australia in particularly, their siblings are split up all the time and it's very distressing for children to be split up with their siblings. For my story, I my eldest sister, who's 26 now, she moved in with my dad when she was 12, mm-hmm. um, well, after obviously after my mum and dad split. And then my older sister, who's... 22 this year and I went into foster care together the seven-year placement um she moved out of that placement that placement fell down for her they got into too many arguments she moved out um about two years before I moved out and we really lost contact after that um I just I didn't feel close with any of my family I felt like they kind of were just their tight knit family and I was on the outcast Mm -hmm. you know my mum and my 22 year old sister are very very close, my dad and my 26 year old sister are very very close, the two sisters are very close mum and dad don't talk to each other and my mum doesn't talk to me, my dad doesn't want anything to do with me neither does my sisters so it kind of felt like I was on the outcast and they were their family and I wasn't really their family, I was just looking in a window and seeing a family Mm -hmm. without being part of it um, and I felt more hurt and more just damaged, being like trying to fight for that relationship. I felt like I was having to fight for a relationship with my own biological family, so I had to let that go to help myself move on. Um, yeah,
0: not not to be uh, disrespectful or 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 uh, harsh, okay. But how much of that do you think is actually true? And then how much of that is, you know, because of what you've been through, it's just hard for you to feel like you're cared for.
1: I think they love me in their own way. Um, I think they try and love me, but they, you know, my sisters obviously have had their own childhood trauma being in, well, one of my sisters being in foster care, the other sister um, being with my dad and stuff. Um. You know, they they have their own stories. They have their own way of seeing things. So I think they did love me in their own way. And I think, you know, it was hard for my mum to love me with her disabilities. Um, she doesn't have the brain of an adult. She has the brain of a child. My dad never got to form that relationship with me. He left when I was two. Um, but I did see him briefly when I was 13. And I think it was just really hard for them to showed the love that I think I needed back then and I think they're still healing from their own trauma and because they're healing from their own pain and their own trauma they kind of lash out at me and you know they don't know how to do that properly have that relationship properly
0: mm. now when you're you, you do a lot of public speaking yeah. as well when you're in front of a group what, what is it you wanna, want them to carry away with from, um, your, from your talk
1: That kids in care need love just like any other children. Um, We need someone and a village. You know, you know the saying: it takes a village to raise a child. Children in care, we just need a village. We need people to surround us, to uplift us, to mentor us, help us grow, and know that we are loved and wanted. Um, And the community can easily do that in different ways. You know, look into fostering. It's it's a challenging process to foster but it's worth it if you want to change your child's life um there's agencies out there like baptist care anglicare and center care and stuff where you can donate or try and see if you can mentor or there's just different yeah it's just about looking in your local foster care agencies i think and just really trying to make a difference with those young people in care
0: so what i'm hearing and tell me if i'm translating this into McQuinley speak correctly <laughs> Okay, what I'm hearing is, is that really the key that you're trying to tell people when you are are doing your talks and people want to be a part of the solution is just love. Yeah. It's not necessarily, you know, that it's a family with a lot of money or it's a family with with all this skill. You're basically saying if it's a if it's a. A dad and he's making a grilled cheese sandwich for the kid. Heck yeah! <laughs> that, that's that's as good as getting a yeah. seven yeah. a steak dinner. If it's yeah. if the dad if there's no uh, children's books in the house and the dad is just taking or the mom I'm I'm a guy so I'm saying dad yeah. but is taking the time to read a plumbing manual yeah. <laughs> to the to the kid like it's you know uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. then, you know, they're happy with that. They just... I I just want love. Stability and love. Okay.
1: Yeah, you don't need a mom and a dad. You Mm. can have just a mom. You can have just a dad. You can Mm -hmm. have dads or moms or grandparents or aunties. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, it doesn't matter who it is. As long as you give them love and give them a safe home and believe in them and cheer them on, even after they leave your care, Mm. that's all that matters. That's all... Like, I will always remember the carers and the mentors and youth workers that believed in me that cheered me on that encouraged me
0: how did the ones that you did you said you always remember the ones that that you know made you feel loved how did they make you feel loved they cheered you on but what what did they do
1: well the family who I lived with for a year they mm-hmm. would fight constantly for me they would advocate for me i remember the department of child protection didn't let me go on an easter camp and i loved easter camps and i remember my foster dad he rang the department and grilled them he's like she's going on that camp i don't care what you guys say like she's going like this is good for her and finally they agreed mm-hmm. and like they i don't even know how many times they probably like advocated behind my back but when they saw that something that wasn't going right they fought for me and they continued to love me. They reminded me every day they weren't going anywhere. Even after I left their care, mm. they remind me to this day, we love you. I get random messages every now and then saying, we love you. We're thinking of you. Like, you know, you're always our daughter. You're always there like in our family. You're always our kid's big sister. And that was just something so basic, just reminding me every day. We're not mm. going anywhere. We love you.
0: It sounds like, uh, and again, translate this, translating this into McQuinley speak here, it sound. I heard a long time ago that the death, that you spell love, T I M E, is that is that what you are saying? Yeah. So it, you know, just spending the time, time yeah. with the person makes them feel valued, yeah. loved, and and that's the key to yeah. a good foster home because, or any yeah, home environment. Actions
1: speak louder than words. Like someone can tell me that they're not going anywhere or that they love me a thousand times in a day, I still it will go out one year. Because I, like, that's just words. Mm-hmm. It's the actions. It's mm. the time. It's the putting those things in place. I will rather look for how people act around me or what people do for me than what they say to me.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. Like like your mama says, actions speak louder, louder than, words, than words. Yeah. 100%. Or like my mama said.
1: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> look
2: at me.
0: Throwing salt on a wound <laughs> it 's <laughs> smoothness like that that kept me single till I was thirty eight you know? so, but uh, yeah that's that's that 's powerful stuff um, what you talked a little bit about what communities can do in 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 just about a minute here that we have before our next break. what do you think uh, you mentioned this Easter camp mm. now is that is that like a church camp yeah. or? So what can that kind of a community do to help out people?
1: Yeah. So obviously yeah, I have a massive faith in my like in God, in Christianity, um and I don't know, I see a lot in churches they do things like Compassion Child where they sponsor a child in overseas and I think that's an incredible idea. I think that should happen. But I think they're big I think churches are a massive thing where they're forgetting about the children in their own communities that need mm. support a lot of the time churches and stuff like that people like that can just really rally around because you know when you think of churches and christianity and even any other religion really you think of community they're always about like you know being together they're always about coming together and worshiping whatever god they believe in um and instead of just focusing on children in third world countries which again very important they could be doing so much more in Around them, you know, building ministries that support kids in care in their communities. If there's foster families in their churches, you know, giving them weekly meals to settle in or helping, like offering babysitting to look after their children. It's just things like that, simple things that I think, yeah, that's that's just as a Christian point of view. Um, But yeah.
0: So basically, you're saying charity starts at home. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if. I, I think probably the reason I, – I, these organizations want to help people. They yeah. do. I think they probably – maybe there's a little bit of, hey, they just don't recognize that there's a problem yeah. well, in your own backyard. Nobody wants to think that there are 4,600 yeah. kids and that are never going to find a family. 100%. And
1: it's you know? very quiet. You don't hear much about foster system. It's a very quiet thing, and that's why I do what I do. That's why I advocate why I, the things I advocate for because you don't hear enough about the foster system. You only hear the bad stuff You don't hear about the kids that are succeeding Like mm. I'm not the only author Who's been in foster care There's mm. a thousand authors out there Who's been in foster care Sharing their stories There's thousands of motivational speakers I'm not the only one But you won't hear about them You only hear about the bad stuff Because mm. the world just Is always about the bad stuff
0: Right If it bleeds it leads You got it Well that's that's uh, we're, On that note We're going to take a quick break And uh, hear from some sponsors Independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active. Ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state of the art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au. Brazier Mobility, creating
2: independence. Romeo Fuddlin al servizio della comunità da oltre 30 anni con onestà, cortesia e professionalità prodotti locali e importati di alta qualità a prezzi imbattibili Antonio, Lisa, Romeo e figli ringraziano la clientela e vi invitano a visitare i loro supermercati incluso il negozio organico di Nord ed dove riceverete gratuitamente i consigli della naturopata Romeo Foodland dà valore alla tua famiglia And this week's specials
0: are 500 gram Borello specialty pasta range $3.49 each, 400 gram multi diced tomatoes $1.49 each, Mill Parmesan or Pecorino cheese $17.99 a kilo, one litre Melina's kitchen extra virgin olive oil $6.99 each, 700 gram multi tomato passata $2.50 each. These specials available at Romeo stores, Croydon, Rosewater, Kilkenny, Campbelltown, Salisbury East, McGill, Ross Trevor, athel Lockleys, Mawson Lakes, and Port Adelaide. Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Felicity from Advocate Change. Uh, <laughs> okay, so she's going to talk uh, I, just in a small amount of time we have left. I'd like to ask how a 19-year-old... Okay gets in the newspaper uh, the biggest newspaper in Adelaide twice without being in trouble
1: <laughs> well um, that's because I speak up for what is right and people finally listen and hear and you know you don't hear much about a nineteen year old having being an author or a CEO so advertisers like to talk to me and um the one of the main um, topics I talked about in the advertiser is homelessness and the effects of our homeless, uh, our rental crisis, and the impacts it has on young people coming and aging out of foster care.
0: Mm, wow. Well, in the small amount of time we have left, what can the people that are listening right now do to help you in your quest?
1: Um, I think sharing. My story around, um, you know, uh, buying a copy of my book, Not Held Down, will be definitely a massive help. Um, Where can they get that? They can get it online on stores like Amazon, Booktopia, Fishpond, uh, and I think in a lot of local libraries, they also can send them in. If you go into the library and ask for the book, they can get it sent in and delivered for you to read. Um,
0: Tell you what, if anybody contacts the station and decides to buy one, will you autograph it for them for free?
1: Oh, no. $5 for an autograph.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <All right>. Okay, <laughs> go ahead.
1: Um, yeah. Um, other things they can do is you can follow my social medias, Fostering Change Australia, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, um, where I talk a, bit, a lot about my story a bit more. Um and on those, uh, especially on Instagram, is a link to my website where you can see what I offer. So a lot of my public speaking is very um, dedicated to foster care agencies, foster care group, care groups to talk about um, how, what foster care can do, carers can do to help kids in care, um, schools, and police stations for teachers to be able to understand how they can better support kids in their classrooms or going in care because a lot of kids obviously fall behind, especially when they're moving around. So how teachers and staff members can actually help those kids. And helping police officers, I think, is a massive one on how they view kids in care, mm. helping cut that stereotype of we're just criminals and druggies mm. and how they can actually help those kids better.
0: Wonderful. Well, Felicity, as a personal favor to me, if you could try to remember the little people like me that you met along your way here as an author and and, and as a uh, podcaster. And the name of your book again is?
1: Not Held Down.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank Felicity for being here today. Uh, I want to thank Mark, obviously, for paneling for us. Thank you very much, Mark. And most of all, I want to thank you, the listener, uh, for being involved in our show today. And as always, I will leave you with a brief inspirational message. I want to talk to you today about a couple people who were raised in foster care. This lady lost her parents in the Holocaust at age 10. Despite being 17 years old and only 1.39 meters tall or 4 foot 7, she became a sniper in the Israeli army. She saw action in the Palestinian War of 1947 to 49. On her 20th birthday, she was wounded by mortar fire so badly that she almost lost both feet. In 1950, she moved to France to study psychology. In 1956, she emigrated to the United States and worked as a maid to put herself through graduate school. In 1959, she got her master's. In 1970, her Ph.D., She lectured at several universities. In 1980, she started her media career in radio. By 1983, her show was the top-rated show in the largest market in the United States. She launched a TV show. And by 1985, Dr. Ruth had over 2 million viewers weekly. This fellow was one of seven children. His family was so poor... He and only one other of his siblings survived to adulthood. By 11, he was sent to an orphanage. By 12, his mother died. He became a childhood alcoholic to try to deal with the cards that life had dealt him. But he turned it around, and he did end up playing professional baseball for 22 years and is often referred to as the best player who ever lived. His name is Babe Ruth. This guy was the fourth of seven children. As a small child, he had to move because of harassment from the Ku Klux Klan. His father was murdered when he was six years old. His mother was sent to a mental institution when he was 13. He ended up in foster care. He acted out, abused drugs and alcohol, and ended up in prison. He got his act together and became a civil rights leader. His name was Malcolm X. There are many, many other stories of people who have overcome similar obstacles in the foster care system. Some of those people include entertainers like John Lennon, Marilyn Monroe, the godfather of soul, James Brown, Sylvester Stallone, Ray Charles, Oprah Winfrey, trumpet player Louis Armstrong, leaders like Nelson Mandela and U.S. President Herbert Hoover. Athletes like Mike Tyson, Olympians like Jim Thorpe, Scott Hamilton, Simone Biles, and many, many more. What do we learn from these people? Well, we learn that people, no matter how bad their circumstances are, have value and can make a great contribution to society. We learn that it doesn't matter where we start out. It's where we finish up that matters. And as always, We're reminded that there are two types of people in the world, the type that will look at their circumstances and decide they cannot succeed, who will not try, who will not make an effort, and who will abandon all hope. And then there is the type who decide that they will be successful, regardless of where they're at today, regardless of the obstacles, and regardless of the odds being stacked against them. The question is, as always, which one are you?